welcome to Offkey, a member and labs podcast about music's professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. Hey, and welcome back to Offkey. It's a little bit crazy that we have been doing this podcast now for a little over a month. But for today's episode, I will be chatting with Renee Crawford, who's the owner of the Victoria Bar and Arts venue, Copper Owl. Renee chatted with me about how she first got involved in music in Kelowna, the favorite and most memorable shows she's been to to date, and all about the Copper Owl and how she got started with running a music venue. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Um, Well, thank you for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate your time today. Um, And how I've kind of been starting every single episode that we've done is just kind of going from the very beginning with our guests. Um, So, Renee, like, where did you grow up? I grew up in Kelowna, BC, so in the interior of BC. Um, Yeah, I lived there until just after high school, and then I lived in Vancouver for a few years, and then I lived in Montreal for a few years, and then I moved back to Kelowna, and, and then I moved to Alberta for a very short period, and then I moved here. Um, it's funny, like two of our other guests have also been from Kelowna. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like we talked to Quinn and then also next week's episode will be with Haley Blay, yeah. who lives in Vancouver now. So oh, cool. Yeah. There's a lot of people um, from Kelowna that are musicians and involved in the music industry, actually. Is there a pretty big music scene there? There's not actually at all, um, oh. which is uh kind of interesting um growing up there I was friends with a lot of musicians and music nerds that kind of created a music scene um for themselves and their friends and um and then a lot of pretty much everybody um in that group moved away from Kelowna because there's really not much of a music scene there I think that there's maybe another scene like developing these days with more young people moving back there um, or staying in Kelowna um, but it's always been a real struggle there for um, for a music scene to sort of continue like there's been little scenes that have popped up over the years but um, but yeah there's really not a lot of uh, music and arts culture there historically but I think it is starting to change I've heard that I've had a few friends um talk about yeah going back there now because I guess kind of like there's smaller like coffee shops and independent brands and there's stuff more local businesses yeah um, exactly popping up now which is great to see um but really when I grew up there there was nothing beyond you know a couple of pubs where they had cover bands play so my group of friends would put on, like they'd rent a hall themselves in you know we were like 15 yeah. years old they'd rent a hall they'd bring in a sound system do everything to put on the show themselves um and I think that inspired a lot of young people to get involved in playing music um and just interested in music in general what how come you left Kelowna just like time um to? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, when I um, when I finished high school, I just wanted to move to Vancouver and really experience something new. Um, I When I went back to Kelowna, um, I got pretty involved in putting on music shows there. Um, some friends of mine and I were taking care of this 100-year-old farmhouse 
um, that we converted into an art gallery and music venue. That's so cool. <laughs> it was really fun. It was very, it was a very special experience. Um, so that's kind of when I started putting on music shows. We would have art openings and then have bands play. Then when we were basically our underground music venue became too popular to keep doing it in that space. Um, so I started putting on shows in um, more legitimate venues, yes. <laughs> um, some bars in town, um, specifically in Kelowna, the Blue Gator, which was a blues bar. They would let me put on shows once in a while on days that they weren't normally open. So I'd bring indie bands from out. Well, there were locals that would play with touring bands, basically. Um, and I did that for, for quite a while. I continued to do that when I moved to um, Alberta and then, w then when I moved to Victoria as well. So it's been a while that I've been involved in music. Did it kind of start um, then? Have you always been interested in music? Yeah, um, I was always a music lover, like as a little kid and growing up. Um, but definitely it was in my, you know, in high school when I was friends with people that were actually playing music and um, and learning about obscure indie bands in the mid-90s that I kind of really got more, um, I fell more in love with music, I guess, at that point. Um, and then what brought you eventually to Victoria after like Montreal, Alberta, and Vancouver? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I grew up um, in Kelowna, but I would visit my dad who lived on the Sunshine Coast every summer. And I really loved just the geography of the coast and being surrounded by the ocean um, was really appealing to me. And also I knew that Victoria had a really strong arts and music scene happening um, through putting on shows in other places. I had met musicians that were from here and um, and then I also had friends that had moved from Kelowna to here that I was that I came to visit and really kind of just sort of fell in love with the city. And um, and yeah, I, I think that the arts and music community was a big draw for me, though, to move here. So when you were in. Um, sorry. So when you moved to Victoria, did you how soon after you moved here, did you open up Copper Owl and what kind of inspired you to do that? Um. It was about five years after I moved here, and um, basically when my partner Jero and I moved here, he runs the Copperell with me. Um, when we moved here, uh, we became involved pretty much right away with the 5050 Arts Collective, which is a nonprofit arts organization. There's a gallery space, and also the 5050 has a music program. And we started putting on shows with the 5050 and uh, we put on shows in various venues and we're kind of looking for a new space to put on shows at and uh, we ended up going to a, a few shows at um, what the Copper Owl was at the time it was called Castle Video Bar and um, it was a very interesting uh, use of the space that they had happening there at the time but Pretty much I just sort of fell in love with the space and mm -hmm. thought, you know, this is such a great venue for doing, you know, a bunch of different types of events. Um, and basically, like, pretty much when we first started thinking about putting on events there, um, the Castle Video Bar closed down. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
at that point, I was really just, you know, I had really no thoughts about taking over the space. But when I contacted the landlords to find out who was taking over the space, they they were like, well, no one is yet. Are you interested? <laughs> and I was sort of uh, taken aback and sort of thought, you know, is this even something I could do or pull off? And anyways, I ended up meeting with them and giving them a proposal of what I would like to do and they loved my proposal and um, and basically for them it was really um, bringing the space back to what it was originally when it was built in the late 60s um, which was a, a space for um, you know perf- like music performances um, lots of different types of things um, like events and just um, more of a sort of community-oriented space, and they really liked that. So, so yeah, so then it just kind of happened out of nowhere a little bit for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than being really involved in putting on music shows, but um, I didn't have plans to open a venue. <laughs> cool. <laughs> for anyone that is unaware or who doesn't know... Um, what is Copper Owl? What do you guys do? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are a venue. Um, as I mentioned, the the venue was built in the late 60s, so it has this really incredible, um, it's a time capsule, basically, um, of the 60s, 70s. It has a whole lot of, it's a very unique space. Um, hopefully people will be able to check it out through some photos that are with the interview. Yeah, we host a very diverse range of events but um, a lot of it is uh, live music focused so um, lots of live bands local touring bands Um, we do DJ nights um, karaoke (laughs) we do private parties pretty much any type of event that you can think of we've probably done something like it Um, every genre of music as well so and yeah basically that's it so we are a bar venue um kind of loungy vibes mm-hmm. yeah yeah it is i really i really like it in there <laughs> um not that i was around during the time that it's you know inspired by right um, but it really does feel like a time capsule and it's really it's really warm mm-hmm. which i think is something that a lot of places kind of don't have yeah i mean there's a lot of venues that I mean, the typical sort of uh, format for a venue is almost like, you know, a giant box that is, you know, you can kind of, you know, there's lots of space on the floor to stand and watch. And then there's a big stage and we really are, we don't have that at all. It's so that makes it a challenge um, for some things that we've done for sure when we have, you know, like a band that has 10 people yeah. in the band and our stage is so small and it's sunken down instead of being elevated. And um, yeah, so there's some interesting challenges to the space. But I think for me, some of my favorite experiences seeing live music have um, been in spaces that are really unconventional and different and maybe unexpected, such as the 100-year-old farmhouse that we yeah made into a venue where we took out a wall so that we had space to you know have people stand basically in the kitchen space watching in the living room space so like those types of um experiences I think are really um I don't know I think they're really special to uh to bands and 
music performers as well as audiences. So that's kind of uh, kind of what I think is a little bit special about the Coparel. I also really like that um, because the space is a little bit unconventional, in a way it molds a lot better to a variety of media versus just, yeah, like a big box. Um, like I know I saw a friend of mine did like a poetry reading there. I think that was the first time I went and it was nice because it's not too big for things like that. Yeah, whereas, it's still intimate. Yeah, it um, feels awkward, I think, if you do have something that's a bit smaller. But then at the same time, it's a space that is large enough that when you get enough people, it's, yeah, it's possible to, yeah. I guess, if you thought. Yeah, I feel like we can do a lot of different things with the space, which um, we're pretty... I think it's inspired a lot of different ways to look at the space as well just because it is so unconventional and there's different levels and there's different little you know little nooks and crannies that you can kind of uh do a lot of different things with Mm -hmm, for sure um could you tell me a little bit more about 50 50 and they're they're still around right yeah Yeah. so my partner joe um he is uh one of the main people involved in overseeing everything um i have a pretty limited um, amount of involvement these days just because I'm so busy with Copper Owl, but I do grant writing for uh, the 5050 still. Um, and yeah, so basically the 5050 um, is an art gallery space. Um, there's studio space in the back of the building, and um, basically it's a group of it's mostly it's pretty much volunteer run um and we do lots of um openings for i say we even though it's really not me um but (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so lots of art shows for um emerging and experimental artists and um and music shows for really kind of experimental musicians that run the gamut from you know, people playing their first show ever to being world-renowned artists. And yeah, it's a small group of volunteers that work really hard to keep it going. And uh, we get really a limited amount of funding, but somehow it's been running for a long time now. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember when it started, but um, there's been many different people involved over the years. Cool. This is kind of like a silly, like off well, no, it's not offbeat at all, actually. But um, <laughs> what was, like, your first show? Like, what was, or, like, even, like, your favorite? Like, what sticks out to you in terms of live music that you've seen? Well, the first show that I ever saw was when I was five. Um, I saw the Beach Boys. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that John Stamos was the drummer at the time, although I can't totally confirm that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I do have a, a little bit of a memory of that. Um, but I would say probably my most, one of the most memorable shows that I've ever seen, um, are just a couple of bands that I saw, um, when I was in high school and my friends and I drove to Vancouver, um, and used fake ID to get into the starfish room and we saw, um, the makeup and blonde redhead. And, um, at the time those were like bands that I never thought I would see in, in real life. Um, and, uh, it was just amazing that I got to see those bands at the time when I was not even sure if I'd be able to actually get in and, (laughs) um, but so that was a really memorable moment for me. Yeah. 
I wish you could get away with more of that now. There's like, <laughs> especially in Victoria, like I remember being underage and wanting because most of the bands I wanted to see went to yeah, Copper Owl or Lucky. Like they didn't play; they weren't big enough to go to you know yeah, like the all ages venues. But yeah, and as a bar owner, I will say that uh, we make sure that everybody is of age. Yeah. <laughs> However, I do think that um, the way that like liquor licensing is. And, you know, it's so directly tied to music, which um, I think is, is can be unfortunate. Um, and the fact that, you know, the liquor licensing is so strict, um, especially in BC, but in Canada in general, it, it makes it very difficult to have all ages spaces um, and to have underage people be able to uh, go to venues and bars that show uh showcase music there are some really great um all ages spaces in victoria which is awesome and the liquor licensing has changed a little bit so that you can actually apply to have an amendment to your liquor license um to allow for minors to come in before a certain time with a guardian like there's all these like rules that really wouldn't make sense as far as i consider what an all ages venue how it how it should sort of exist and operate um so we haven't gone that route because i i think that it's pretty problematic still um for a lot of different reasons that i won't get into but um (laughs) um, definitely i think it's really important for young people to experience music and um and experience that sense of community and be inspired by seeing other people playing music as well Mm -hmm. yeah definitely Especially now, too, um, something I've talked about with some of the artists that have been on is how with the change in like digital consumption of music, mm-hmm. how streaming is, you know, how touring was once like a big marketing activity and it still is, has turned into a big income generation activity since the music itself maybe isn't anymore. Right. And yeah, it's just, it'd be really cool to see, hopefully, like eventually as like maybe things change, like the laws change to see... Um, yeah like shows and venues becoming a little bit more accessible too mm-hmm, definitely a wider range but that's that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a complex subject for sure how have you um since i guess coming to victoria and then opening up the copper owl kind of how have you seen the music industry in the city change um i think it's grown a lot since um i first moved to victoria and since we opened the copper owl even um which was in uh 2013 so but I think one of the main reasons is just because there are more venues now that do allow for more musicians to play in various spaces and um, in various genres. So, um, yeah, I think that it's grown quite a bit and um, it's diversified a lot. And also there's some really great people in town that are working really hard um, to organize music shows. And that's really important, I think, um, in like a really um healthy music community is um having people who are going to put themselves out there to be promoters and um organizing shows because it's it's tough i mean you're putting um you know a lot of risk into um putting on shows for for you know for the audience for the bands um often promoters barely make any money um because it's you know it's hard to make money in the music industry in general um but but yeah i think that all of those things have really helped support um the growth of the music scene in victoria 
what are some of the events that have really I guess stood out for you since opening up Copper Owl like are there any like big moments that you're like that was a big there has been a lot um you know we've been really lucky to have um some of you know to us the most amazing musicians play at the Copper Owl and and have such a good time and sort of have you know these people that we've like looked up to for a long time um actually come and play at our venue um dead meadow is one of them um they just played uh the capitol ballroom and you know they probably had at least twice of what our capacity is amount of people there um but they played at the copper owl and it was just such a magical experience to see them there um and you know there's a there's a few uh, there's a lot of um things that I could you know a lot of different shows that were pretty amazing but um but yeah that those kind of of events where it's a band that could probably play a way bigger venue but they're they're playing at the Copper Owl and it's a really intimate experience and we get to meet them and host them and have a lot of fun um that's really like what makes running the Copper Owl worthwhile for us yeah that must be really nice to be able to, I guess, yeah, attract artists that, mm-hmm. you know, are just looking for size and kind of stuff like that, mm-hmm. but that share a similar value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how we kind of got, um, I guess, connected in a way or why I thought to reach out was because I had read an article um, that you were in last year on CBC about kind of discussing Victoria's need to similarly to what Vancouver has done but hire a music advocate for the city could you tell me a little bit more about that yeah so um basically I just think that uh more people in public office should be advocating for the music industry I don't I think it's um underrepresented in those spaces and um yeah, Vancouver decided that they were going to hire a music advocate. Vancouver's had some real issues with um, keeping music venues around. They've really, the city has cracked down on music venues pretty pretty harshly, I would say. In, in what kind of way? Um, shutting down spaces that are unconventional spaces um, for music. Um, and, you know, they've, I'm sure that sometimes it's legitimate for like safety concerns, but I know that there's also been times where they've, you know, talked to the people that are running a space and saying, you know, if you guys do the this list of things, then you can, you know, continue operating and putting on shows here. And then they do them and then the city still shuts them down. And um, and yeah, Vancouver has been pretty much steadily losing music venues for many years. I think the, you know, high cost of uh property and um the high cost of living in vancouver has been a real uh it's had a real hard effect on the music industry and so the city has hired a music advocate to i think and i hope um be a liaison between people that are working in the music community um and the city so hopefully bridging that gap between um you know, the city that I think is, you know, in Vancouver has been very influenced by developers and by big money and um, and the music community does generate a lot of money for the economy and it, 
does contribute a lot that way. Um, but it's also very difficult to, uh, to run music venues. It's, there's not a lot of money in it. So if it's very hard to pay a lot of rent. So anyways, um, yeah, so I had, you know, talked to, um, the CBC, they were interested in, you know, learning about, uh, why I thought that, uh, Victoria could use a music advocate. Um, and, and I think that there's some, a lot of similarities in Victoria. However, I think the city has, um, has historically in more recent years, um, really been supportive of the music, uh, industry in Victoria but I think that definitely you know as Victoria grows and becomes more expensive and we're starting to see some of the same issues arise here with um, the cost of property and um, the cost of living I think that it's important to have somebody at the civic level be um, be working for um, the betterment of the music community yeah definitely and I guess just to give incentives to people like yourself to continue on operating. Yeah, I think it's it's important to have somebody uh, represent the music community. Um, there's so many, you know, there's so many little pockets of the music community in Victoria and in other cities. So it is hard to have um, one person represent everybody, but... Um, what has happened since then um, is that the city is putting together a music advisory committee, which I think is a great idea because it will give, um, you know, more opportunity for different voices to be heard within the music community. Um, so I think that that's a really positive thing. I would like to mention that um, Darb Erickson, who works for the city and who was also interviewed by the CBC about the same um, the same uh, sort of idea about talking about a music advocate working within the city. And I really do think that Darb is a music advocate for the city already, um, even though that's not, um, you know, that's not his title <laughs> working yeah. with the city, but he has been a really great advocate for the music community and he is involved in organizing the music advisory committee. So I think that that's a really um I think that's going to be a positive thing for the music community in Victoria. Cool. Um, so would the committee kind of act similarly to the advocate in Vancouver, kind of as a liaison between like government and I think so. Industry? I think yeah. that that's the goal. Um, I'm not totally sure how it'll work, but I'm interested to see what happens with it for sure. Yeah, totally. Are, do you know, I'm sorry, I'm just like, do you know all these things? Um, <laughs> do other arts communities, like, tip? is this kind of, like, typical of a city to have somebody in a role like this to kind I'm of, not, like, fight on behalf of the art sides? Or? I'm not sure. Um, I, I Yeah, like I said, I, I don't really know. But um, I think that they're there are people within city council usually that will have some of those communities support and will be a voice for them but I'm not sure about I know I know that there are people within the city that usually work within like arts and culture but um, I think the music community is a very important part of Victoria's cultural landscape and also the music industry is is one that really needs 
to be fostered I think especially just being on an island it's so expensive for musicians to leave the island to come to the island um, it's a little bit different than artists I mean there's some there's a lot of similarities but um, you know pretty much as you said these days musicians need to go on tour so I know a lot of musicians that have left Victoria to go move to Vancouver or Montreal because touring is so much easier when you live not on an island where you have to take an expensive ferry with your band and all your gear and everything so I think there's some really unique challenges within the music industry in Victoria and Vancouver and I think having somebody representing uh, those communities at the civic level is really important yeah for sure I know one of the things that we've been kind of working with here and I know some of the other artists that we've been talking to um, they get a lot of funding from well, like not a lot, but like there is funding available in terms of grants and things like yeah. that. Is there similar stuff for people that have venues as oh. well? Yeah. So it's actually a really recent program through the provincial government that is, I think, pretty amazing um, that I did a lot of work on applying for. And we actually ended up getting the funding that we applied for, which is really amazing. Um, and that funding is going to help us do some really essential upgrades that we need to do. Honestly, if we didn't get that funding, I'm not sure if we would have uh, been able to continue running the business because it's just, you know, we're not making very much money. So to have to, you know, put a ton of money into, you know, we're going to, we've recently um, upgraded our flooring um, we have more flooring that we need to upgrade um, and then some of our essential equipment and then we also got some funding to put towards um, a concert series that we're going to be starting in March that will focus on emerging and experimental musicians that are underrepresented in the music community and those types of things are you know really hard for a small music venue to do on their own um, anyways, the program is called Amplify BC, and it's funded through Creative BC, and it's, yeah, it's a provincial government-funded program, and it's, I think it's really a positive thing for, um, for music venues, musicians can apply, there's money that, you know, the film industry can apply for, it's really, um, it's a great program, and, um, and also I think it's really going to help boost the music industry specifically, within BC and Victoria, Vancouver, creating more of a connection between touring bands coming from like smaller touring bands that, you know, people don't know who they are here, um, or a lot of people don't, that, you know, we can help fund their their travel expenses and their accommodation, those types of things we can't afford to do normally. So it's, it's really, um, I think it's a really important program for sure. Funny enough, that's actually who we're, I'm working on a grant with them right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for the Music Industry awesome. Initiatives one. Cool. Mm -hmm. Just that's to expand great. on the podcast a Yeah, bit well, more. I was wondering if um, if you were funded through them because this is the type of thing that they want yeah. to fund. So Yeah, they um, worked with us before I was here in 2017, 2018 for one of the applications that we're building that has to do with ticketing and kind of like utilizing blockchain to, I, I don't know a lot about right. blockchain, okay. but from my understanding, it's basically to kind of prevent, or rather it's to kind of legitimize the 
second not second hand but like the second or like third party like ticket vendors for when tickets get resold and things like that okay so um, some of the problems maybe that Ticketmaster was yeah exactly perpetuating i was gonna say experiencing but i think it was maybe more yeah with like scalpers and right. how like uh ticket prices get so like hiked up and stuff when they get resold and things like that mm-hmm. so yeah that's what we're working on cool currently that's mm. awesome but they helped us with that which is really really great that yeah that is great what is kind of some advice i guess that you would give to somebody looking maybe generally to work in music but also kind of on your side as maybe like a venue owner or something like that my advice would be to really if you want to be involved in the music industry to you know to get involved somehow on a small level initially um do some volunteering you know work the door at a show for one of our, you know, one of the amazing small promoters in town, you know, just put yourself out there and, you know, help out in the community. Um, And also, I just think gathering as many skills and experiences as you can will help be able to, you know, there's, there's so many different um, aspects of running a venue that, uh, you know, the more skills and experience that you have that you can put towards building up your resume and building up your expertise in lots of different areas, the better. So I would just say, yeah, to get involved in whatever way you can um, and just learn as much as you can about the industry and, and yeah, just meet as many people as you can that are working in the industry. I feel like in a lot of ways, um, kind of, I guess, to go back to something we were talking about before, but Victoria is like a really nice place I think it makes sense that the music community here is growing so much because we do have such a large we have a really large youth network mm-hmm. to support it in a yeah. way that there's well, a Vancouver, lot of young people here because mm-hmm, Vancouver has it as well but it's so dispersed across the city it's whereas, very spread out and that's yeah. you know I think you know Vancouver is a great city but having the neighborhoods spread out so much as they are with like UBC and SFU being so far apart um and far away from where a lot of the music scene is happening i think it makes it really difficult for um for young people to get involved in the music industry and the music scene Mm -hmm. especially because like property is so expensive Mm -hmm. that i don't imagine you know a lot of the smaller venues can even think about you know having their business take place downtown so it's a lot more on the outside and then yeah getting out there (laughs) I mean, it's not hard, but it's funny how much, like, a 30-minute, you know, bus ride or train ride. It can be a barrier ride. for people, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely stops you, because even, you know, here, even, it even happens in Victoria between, like, Oak <laughs> Bay and, like, a Squaw Mall. People are like, yeah. oh, I don't go to that side. Exactly. But on a yeah. big city, yeah, it's completely magnified, which yeah, is kind of yeah. silly, because it's mm-hmm. really not that hard, but. <laughs> but, I mean, it is a bit of a barrier for people, and, you know, when the bus or the SkyTrain stops running at 1 a.m. and that's yeah. when the band that you wanted to see goes on it's just sort of like you just sort of feel like oh what's the point of even going right um but victoria is you know a smaller geographical space within a, yeah it's just a smaller space where people can really get around quite a bit easier it's a very bikeable very walkable city um so i think it does really help incentivize people to get out and go experience what's happening in the city for sure yeah definitely I guess you said that you were working on the project that you have upcoming in March, but what are some of the other goals that you have for Copper Owl like in the future? 
Um, yeah, just doing some of the upgrades that I was talking about, um, doing this concert series and yeah, just continuing to really diversify what we're doing. We really want to work on being a safe space, uh, where people of, you know, any type of person that comes can feel comfortable. Um, we really want to support that diversity in the music community, the music scene and in other events that we do. Um, and so just working on, you know, trying to, trying to be the best venue that we can possibly be for the community. Cool. So what are some of the things that are coming up at Copper Owl in the future that people, I guess, that we can let people know about? Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned before, we're doing a concert series, um, that we're really stoked about that we received some funding from Amplify BC for, um, it's called Hidden Sounds Concert Series. The first show that we're doing is, um, March 10th and, um, the second show that we're doing is March 29th. Um, on the 29th, we, it's sort of a synthy dark wave, um, electronic music night, um, featuring a really awesome band from Vancouver. Um, they're called Sig Sally and I would recommend people check them out. They have, um, a female, uh, singer and they just have this like really sort of edgy, dark synth focused electronic sound it's really cool and then a few other bands are playing with them as well um psychic pollution consumer report and holo sapien so it's going to be a really interesting night of experimental electronic music and uh yeah i would suggest people check it out cool yeah and lastly i guess where can people find you know you and the copper owl yeah, so um, our website is copperowl.ca. We have all of our events listed there, and then we have links to um, the Facebook events on each event. And then on Facebook, if you just want to search Copper Owl, there's a group that you can join, um, and there's also a page that you can like, and we um, keep that really updated with all of our events um, as well. And then we also do Instagram, and it's just at copperowl. So, um, yeah, if anybody wants to check us out and give us a like, they can stay updated on um, the stuff that we have coming up. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming by today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been really nice. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And thanks again, Renee, for coming onto the podcast. Links to the show notes are in the description. So check those out for more info on the shows that we brought up towards the end of the interview. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review so we can keep bringing you new episodes each week. If you have any topics that you would like me to bring up with one of our next guests, please feel free to email me at either offkey at membrane.net or send me a message at either Membrane Labs or Linsa Arnold on Instagram. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain that is hosted by my coworker Jordan, are both produced by Membrane Entertainment Canada, aka Membrane Labs, a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We're also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music's rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membrane Labs, you can find out more information on our website, www.membranelabs.com. That is everything for today, I believe. So I will see you next Monday. Thanks. Bye.